All right. Well, welcome wherever you're watching around the world, whenever you're watching or listening. We're so thankful you are here with us as we wrap up our series called The Book of James. And I just want to tell you right now, it was so hard for me to hold still while those pages were flipping in my Bible for them to record that. It was really, really hard. I don't know if you know anything about me. Yeah, you know I did do that. Anyway, wherever you are, thank you for hanging out. I'm so thankful that we get to be here. Like Alex talked about a little bit earlier and like our worship team prepared our hearts for, we are so thankful for the opportunity to step into the presence of God today. And we know that as we do that individually and corporately that we're going to leave here better than how we walked in. And so today we're going to be diving into James 5. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and get there. If not, we've got them free for the asking or... You can follow along with us in the Vine Church app. Go to the vine.tv slash app to download that. There'll be sermon notes. There'll be uh, a Bible in there, ways to connect throughout the week. And hey, even more importantly, as we dive into James 5 today, if you just need somebody to pray for you, you can click on there on our prayer wall, and our team will love to pray with and for you. So uh, throughout the book of James, we've been learning how to live an authentic Christian life. And James is all about maturing in the faith. Like James wrote this letter one of the first letters of the early church, to where if you had nothing else you read in your Christian walk, if you just read the book of James, you could grow in, in your walk with Christ and mature in the faith. And so as we dive into James 5 today, uh, we want to talk about kind of what we've been walking through actually in this season. Let's be real. This time last year, man, wasn't it crazy town? Like, I know we keep saying that, but like, it really, really was. Like, we didn't know which way was up, which way was down, which way was left, which way was right. And believe it or not, the season we were in right now, we seem like we have some freedom from that, don't we? Like all of a sudden, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing things change. We're walking out of the pandemic uh, and into a different time, it seems. Actually, a time we, you know, this is a time where you always hear folks say new normal all the way that we go and everything that we do. But what we want to walk through in James 5, and I believe many of us can be in, is sometimes we can buy into a lie as we step into a new season. And 2020 should have ripped this lie apart, but I'm believing some of us may be gravitating toward it again, and this is what I mean. We buy into the lie that I can have the perfect life. You know, we know that 2020 showed us that. Like, make all the right decisions, look the perfect way, write the perfect way, dress the perfect way, make all the right choices, have the perfect children. Everywhere we go, like, we believe that we can have the perfect life. Like, it'll all fit inside our fanny pack, and we'll bring it over to the, uh, we'll bring it over to Carowinds or Six Flags and enjoy ourselves, right? Like, we believe that. But yet, 2020 showed us that's just an illusion on this side of eternity, we can't have the perfect life. There was only one who lived the perfect life for us. And when he did, Jesus said, we're going to go through seasons of trouble. And that's what we're going to talk about today, trouble. Now, trouble, can, well, somebody, a name came to mind when you heard trouble. Stop pointing fingers at me. That's wrong. But like trouble, wherever you are, trouble, trouble. All of us will have trouble. Maybe a song comes to mind when you think of trouble. Uh, maybe whatever it is, but trouble is going to come our way. And we just stepped through a season of trouble. And I, believe it or not, we're going to be walking through seasons of trouble now on this side of eternity. If we aren't in heaven yet, we're going to experience trouble. Jesus promised us that. And that's what James is addressing here in James 5, is he is saying, hey, we can either spend our whole life trying to avoid trouble, trying to make all the right decisions and be paralyzed in that and realize that we spend our whole life trying to be right to actually do nothing at all. 
And wherever you are, obviously, I don't have children, uh, because if I did, uh, we really would be in the end times. Uh, wherever it is, uh, just trust me, uh, wherever that is, when that comes to children, when it comes to children, that's what you do as parents. You want them to make the right choices, but at the same time, you pr- prepare them to make the right choice, and you let them do it, and that's the hardest thing. And imagine if you as a parent feel that way, how Jesus feels about us, how God feels about us, his children, walking through trouble, being prepared to make the right choices even when we choose not to. And so the hope that I'm going to tell you is what I'm going to come back to in the end is wherever you are today, God has not forgotten you. You're not going through this alone. No matter what we've done, no matter what our past is, no matter where we failed, actually no matter how hard we're going to fail in the parking lot today on the way out of here, God still loves us and God is still with us even in the midst of our trouble. And so wherever you are today, let's dive in to see what James has as we talk about trouble. So if you're with me, give me an amen. I love it. Amen. I want to tell you today, uh, we, you know, here at the Vine Church, we believe in loving each other and diving into the Word of God and sitting under the authority of God, but also on Sunday, we believe in, in, in lunch. Amen. So uh, today, we're going to make sure that that happens. Both are going to be happening. We're going to be fed in the Word, and then we're going to be fed later. So if you're not here with us, you're missing out. I'm just telling you, we have breakfast every week, but today we're doubling up. We're having breakfast and lunch. We do that sometimes here. So we would love to see you come hang out with us wherever you are, wherever you are and wherever you're going. So let's get into James 5, and let's see the two things that are happening in the church. They're going to see eerily familiar, and then we're going to learn about three things that should increase in our life as we walk through trouble. So two things that are happening in the church as trouble comes. James 5, verse 1 through 6. James comes out swinging, y'all, so just hang in here. I love how he does that. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Quick time out, okay? Like, you say, I'm not rich. I don't have it together. We shared this in our Bible app, Devo, that we read together this week. If you make more than $18,000, poverty line here in the United States, if you make more than $18,000 a year, $1,500 a month, you're in the richest top... 10% of people in the world. If you press over, if you make $15 an hour, $40,000 a year, you're in the top 2% of richest people in the world. Isn't that crazy? You wouldn't believe that here though, would you? You would think that, oh my goodness, that's all you make? That's all you got? Like, that's all the money you make? But yet, look at what we do, and we could talk about inflation and all this... Throw that out, because James is saying, look, inside the church, we're all rich in the Lord because we've all been given something to steward, whether it's a dollar a day or whether it's $50 a day, whether it's $1,000 a day, we've all been given something to steward, but what was happening in the church is they were stewarding it the wrong way. And this is how they stewarded their wealth. Verse 2, your wealth has rotted And moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You ever just bought something that's knockoff, like, and it tarnishes? Like, you know, you thought it was silver in the store and it was tarnished. It was knockoff or gold and it was knockoff and it like messed up something on you. I call that the sun because I sunburn real easily. So like it messed up something on you though. You got something that's fake. That's what James is saying. And see, in 2020, all those fake things were getting pressed away. All those things that we had built up were getting tossed away by the Lord because he was trying to focus us back on him. It says this, 
In verse 3, continuing, you have hoarded your wealth in the last days. Verse 4, look, the wages you have failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. So James is saying, hey, in America, we live in the greatest country on earth, the wealthiest nation on earth. What are we doing with it? You see, in the church at this time, James was saying this. The first thing we have to realize as we go through trouble that's easy to do is we have to resist hoarding. Remember TP last year? Holy canola. Hand sanitizer. Face mask. My goodness, you couldn't get a Clorox wipe for nothing, could you? You were homemade trying to make your own, borrowing your neighbors, doing everything you could do. And so many times when we get into trouble, we think, I've got to gobble it all up for me. You see what I love what we do as a church, as we just shared a moment ago. What we do as a church is we live open-handed saying, it's, 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 it's yours, Lord. We're just stewarding it. And as we go through trouble as Christians, it's not up for us to hoard the TP and, and say, well, I got mine. I don't know about you. Shoo. Like, I don't know about you. Instead, we share. And what I love is even in 2020, when all these things were crashing around us, as a church, Jesus still let us share. We still were able to give. We still get to give. We didn't say, well, I just, I don't know how the Lord's going to see us through, but we aren't, we aren't going to pay rent. We aren't going to pay for anything. We're just not going to be able to give to those in need. The Lord didn't allow us to have to walk through that. Instead, he says, hey, you're faithful in giving. Continue to do so. So as we go in trouble, as James is saying to the church at the time, we've got to resist hoarding. We've got to do it because we've been blessed to be a blessing. And see, what I love as a church is we didn't pack it up and go home. We didn't say my sandbox would be easier to stay at home. My sandbox would be easier. Instead, we said, God, this is all yours. What I love about this every week is that is what our sowers do here. God, this is all yours. We're going to build it. You've called us to build it in faithful obedience. Whoever you have decided to be here is going to be here. And we're going to do everything we can to point to you in all that we do. And I love that. Because it would be really easy to hoard it for ourselves, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just be so easy to just be like, well, I'm going to play in my sandbox, play in my TP, play in my Clorox wipes, play in my hand sanitizer, play in my face mask. But instead, we get to be open-handed. So as we walk out of a season of trouble, I promise you 2021 is going to have trouble too. As we go in that, we've got to resist hoarding. Because when we do walk through trouble, what I think 2020 gave us is even a more focus on what God's given us to steward. I'll say it to you this way. We have been blessed. We have incredible sowers who are gifted in creative things and, and, and just know how to make things like go on the internet. I'm so old. I was about to say the interwebs. They just make it go up on the interwebs. Um, we've been streaming since we've launched. We've reached more people during a pandemic in states and countries that we would have never reached otherwise because we walked through trouble. If God can do that with his church, imagine what he can do in each and one of our lives, each and every one of us in our lives as the church. It's helped us see what we get to steward. 
So wherever we are, we got to resist hoarding. James goes on to say in verse 7 through 12, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord has finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. In other words, God is with you. He has not forgotten you. He still loves you. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. The second thing that was happening in the church that can be true for us as we go through trouble is not only do we need to resist hoarding, we've got to resist fatigue. Now that sounds like hard and easy at the same time. You're going to see what I'm saying right here, what James is saying when it comes to fatigue. I'm saying fatigue when it comes to perseverance. Got to resist fatigue. Uh, I've got to hear it say this way. I've I've heard great advice, actually from my brother-in-law. I heard it this way when it came to family and when it came to babies. His best advice was this. If you have children, you know. Get used to doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again on repeat, over and over and over and over again, because that's what's going to happen. In other words, perseverance. That's what's going to happen. That, that's really what it's about, is it's going to happen. Like, and if, you, if you're a parent, you know, because it's the same episode of Puppy Pals or whatever it is, or Paw Patrol or what over and over. And I'm like, don't they have like 500 of these things? Like, you can tell I don't have children. But like, it's the same one. They find the same one every time. And that's the one like, you have it memorized and so do they. They can tell you what's coming next. They have all the words. But for us, when it comes to trouble, We've got to resist fatigue because here's the thing. Let me ask you this. This is what happens is uncertainty in our life and trouble in our life causes what? Fatigue. So let me ask you, this is how I know that. You're up late, had a long day. You hear that bell of tacos ringing. You roll in and you say, I'm just going to get some sticks," but instead you see there's a box that you can get for less than $5. I will tell you, word of advice, older people, you don't just pay for it the night of. It lasts all week. Just going to put that out there. Just want to, just, when anyone says the meat gun is broken, there's a problem. I'm just putting it out there. However, wherever you are, do you make the best decision when you're tired? No. Think about when you go to the supermarket. That's why they say go with a list because if you're hungry, what do you do? You fill the card up. Like you really, really do. Like, You've got to resist fatigue. So as we're going into this season and we're walking through troubles, we not only got to resist hoarding, but we've got to resist fatigue in our life so that we can persevere through it. Otherwise, we start rolling on our emotions and making decisions guided by our emotions. And let's be real, when has that worked out for the best of us? It hasn't. It hasn't. As a matter of fact, our emotions will always let us down. Our emotions will always push back against us being all that we were created to be. So we have to be patient. In other words, the fatigue can be, in my trouble, God has forgotten me. You see, we've got to be standing not on our emotions, but firm on his foundation, the foundation that he has built. Like, do we want easy in our life or principled? Do we want convenience or conviction? 
When it comes to fatigue, that's the decision we have to make. And as we go through trouble and are about to step back into some trouble, I know this is bleak. Hang in here with me. It's going to get better. It's bleak, but it's real. Trouble is going to come. I'm thinking of a song in my head. You know it. I'm old school. But anyway, uh, I want to say his name wrong. Ray LaMontagna, whatever. If you say it, you just hear trouble. Anyway, trouble keeps coming my way, right? Like wherever you are, you're hearing trouble. 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 But there's hope in the trouble. Because if we can resist hoarding and be open-handed with it, then all of a sudden the fatigue's not going to be as bad. We're not going to make bad decisions for ourselves. And we're going to see three things increase in our life. And that's how James is showing us how we can fully walk through trouble. So one more thing on the fatigue. Let me ask you this, because it's gardening season for all of us. That one weed. You know what I'm talking about. If you go outside, you already know. It's it. You've killed that thing about seven times it sees. Right there. Like, it's right. It's the showpiece of the front yard. Like, it's right there in the walkway, in the path. Like, you get every, you've mulched. You've got your flower beds. You've trimmed everything up. You broke out the Roundup 17 times. Well, we can't use that anymore, I think, right? Because it causes cancer. So whatever it is you use to do that, I don't know. You've weed-eated it. You've done everything. And all of a sudden, what does that little thing do? It rains. And the next day, that little yellow flower that we all gave mom, that weed that we gave mom as kids all the way through, always the easiest one to pick uh, after we've blown the dandelion and choked on it, uh, the easiest one to pick found its way through. Why? Because it persevered and didn't resist fatigue. If that little weed can do that, imagine what we could do to grow. Because we're much greater than a weed in the kingdom of God, aren't we? We're part of the vine that bears fruit, not something that can be a pest or a nuisance. But if that thing can persevere, how much more can we in the midst of our trouble? If it can burst through the sidewalk and be my arch nemesis, I'm telling you, Christ can do much through us in trouble. So if we can resist hoarding and resist fatigue, we'll see these three things increasing in our life that James gets to. Let's go to verse 13 through 16. It says this, which leads to what we're talking about today. Is anyone among you in what? Trouble. What do you do? Circle, highlight, go back to this because you can't go wrong with this answer. Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you have to have a certain oil that happens when that comes. That that literally can be the praying and laying hands on with the Holy Spirit. Anointed with oil. That's what that's talking about for us. Now, there are some, some that do anoint with oil. That's great. They're praying to the Holy Spirit when they do that. They're praying. So if you're, you're walking through a time of trouble and you're resisting hoarding and fatigue, are you praying? It goes on to say this, and the prayer offered in what? Faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. One of my favorite verses. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So after we've resisted hoarding and we've resisted fatigue, we should see these three things increasing in our life. The answer is obvious. The first time, the first thing in our trouble should be an increase in prayer. We should increase our prayer. James is saying, hey, are you praying or are you just saying? 
Are you praying or saying? It's a big difference. Are you praying or saying? Are you hedging it in prayer? Because in the season that we live in, man, like pandemic, we all seemed maybe a little bit on the same page, but now doesn't disunity just abound? We're all like, it's like you're at each other's throats. Like I said, Twitter is outraged. Like, I want to call, it is, it's like, I'm a pro wrestling fan, whatever. Don't tell me I'm going to hell for it because I'm pretty sure there's going to be a ring in heaven. We're going to have fun. It is what it is. Wherever you are, like, it's like a pro wrestling match. I feel like everything on social media is a promo for the next fight upcoming. And, like, I'm going to be honest to you, we're addicted to it too, right? Like, we go to the time, oh, I can't wait to see how this works out. Somebody's mom's going to be mad. I don't know whose is, but somebody's going to be upset. Someone's going to be upset with this. So are we just saying in our trouble that we trust Jesus? Or are we actually going to his feet and praying? Because as disunity and drama grows in our life, our trouble is magnified. And drama simply is this, anything in our life that's not covered in prayer. You know, we talk about hedging your investments. You hedge. You, you have a hedge against the dollar being weaker with gold. You have a, a, a hedge against stock market and inflation by looking at foreign currency. Uh, you, you look at these things. You, you have a hedge against negative bond markets by buying U.S. bonds, those kind of things. Like You hedge your investments. But are you hedging the investment of your eternity and covering it in prayer? Are you just going about willy-nilly letting life come at you like the little man at the used car lot with his arms all over the place? Are you really getting on your knees? See, there's a big difference when we do. When we get on our knees, we get ourselves in a process to cover ourselves in a prayer. As a matter of fact, a posture of covering in prayer because when we don't do that, who do we rely on? Ourself. And what is ourself going to do? Man, it's going to respond to that tweet and talk about something that don't matter. About a football team or a basketball team that wouldn't know you on the middle of the street. Could care less. None of you. Defending a professional athlete or, or an artist that don't even know your name. <laughs> it doesn't even matter, right? But instead, when we resisted hoarding and fatigue, we can increase our prayer and see and show that he, Jesus, is in control. Because when we do that, this disunity and drama, it leads to what Jesus prayed for in John 17, unity in itself. I wonder, oh, I'm going I'm to make a statement. You know I don't get in politics, but it is what it is, so I'm going to be real. Isn't it funny how we've removed prayer out of everything, how much we're divided? Not fake prayer, not prepared prayer, not written down. There's nothing wrong if you need to write your prayer down and read it out loud. That's totally cool. But isn't it funny how we don't pray before we gather anymore? We don't pray at, at certain events or certain outings. How much more disunified we are? How much more divided we are? What if we covered everywhere we went in prayer? What if, what if we came to church knowing that, hey, Lord, I'm going to pass three people at a red light on the way here. Let me make sure I'm you to them the best way I possibly can be. I fail at that miserably. However, many of us may not, wherever we are, like, what if we did that? What if we increased our prayer in the struggle and in the trouble of our life? Because when we do, we see something crazy happen. The community inside of us breeds and we grow. And what happens inside of community? Confession happens. And when confession happens in community, all of a sudden prayer happens in community and all of a sudden healing happens community it's not an option it doesn't say well just pray by yourself for healing not that god can't do that that's awesome but james clearly states in five sixteen, confess your sins to one another 
Confess your sins. It gets real pin drop because we're Protestant as we go there. We're not in the Catholic Church where they confess everything. And, and we as, as Protestants don't do that well. We don't like confessing our sin to one another because we're worried about what it makes us look like. But you see, that's where we can see healing in our life when we do. Hey, I will be honest with you. I'll tell you, hey, I don't feel well today. It's just something. I don't feel well. I'll tell you where I'm at. Or, hey, I mess up today. I, I uh, you know, I, I knocked down a yard sign or I ran a red light. Or I'll try to be as honest as I can. I'll confess with you where I'm at. I'm not worried about it. It is what it is. And the only reason that I can do that and stand on that is because when I do, that's where healing happens, right? Because that's where the prayer comes through. So as we walk through trouble, would we increase prayer in our life? So let me ask you, what does it look like for prayer in our life? Here's the question. When I, I said it a second ago, but are we praying or saying? So are we asking for prayers from those in the church, from leaders in the church, from people in our life? Do we ask for those? Or do we get mad at God because he's not answering them because we're praying for it alone? Do we really pray for healing in faith like it's going to happen? Do we? Or would he just throw it up there like a genie in a bottle? And do we really pray for forgiveness? Because it says, James is saying, and he's pointing here, as saying, hey, a prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well, and if they have sin, they will be forgiven. And that's why he goes straight to healing, because you remember when Jesus healed people, what did he tell them? Not you are healed, but you are what? Forgiven. Your faith has set you free. Your sins are forgiven. When he made the lame man walk, what did he tell him? Your sins, have, your sins are forgiven. Stand up and walk. What is better when I'm healing on the Sabbath? What do you want me to do? Tell them their sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? And then he started by saying that. So I wonder if we would increase our prayer if we could see and partner with God doing something that we could never expect possible. James goes on in verse 17 through 18 to, before he tells us a second thing to increase. Kind of goes with what we just read. But verse 17, Elijah was a human being. Did you know that? Elijah was a human being. <laughs> Elijah was a human being even as we are. He did what? He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain. The earth produced its crops. So not only do we increase in prayer and trouble, but we increase our faith. So, in this prayer and faith, as, as, as James is talking about perseverance, it starts with Job, the oldest book in the Bible, where it talks about, hey, all of a sudden, Job is there, Satan is trying to deceive him, he's going there, and God intervenes, and what, is God, what happens? Job goes through all this calamity and all this trouble, God tells him, gird up his loins, be a man, and just step in there and sit under his authority, and Job was blessed the second half of his life more than the first. If you don't know that, that's really simple, easy, read the whole book of Job, it's a great book, dive into it, oldest book in the Bible, go dive in there, see what happens. Now let's go to James. James is saying, hey, the next one I want to tell you about is Elijah, who persevered. Both of them persevered. Elijah's my dude. Goes up in a chariot of fire. But the specific thing that James is talking about is Elijah is a, is, is a man. He's, he's a human, just like you and I. And Elijah was, was praying for no rain so that people could see God. Imagine that. Now I know sometimes we want to do that, but imagine no rain for three years. What would happen? Maybe that weed would finally but uh, wherever you are, imagine rain for three years not happening. What, three and a half years not happening? Then all of a sudden, Elijah prays for rain. And you know the story. We just sang, like we just sang through it. Sang, sung, however we go. I'm sorry, I'm not an English major. We just worshiped in that and talked about it. What happened is Elijah goes and he prays for rain. And well, how many times does he send that servant out? 
seven times. Seven times he goes out there. Six times, as a matter of fact, he goes out there. He didn't see nothing. On the seventh time he comes back, he says, I see a cloud the size of a hand. Now, as I get older, I'm blind. I can't see the cloud the size of a hand. You probably couldn't show me a, a cloud the size of the YMCA in the sky, and I'd still be blind. But wherever you are, he sees something as big as a hand, and what does Elijah do? He said, it's about to rain. Get ready. And he takes off to the king, and he outruns the king in the rain so that he can get back to God's promise and see it fulfilled. So this is what James is getting at when we come with increased faith in our trouble is, are we praying with faith enough to believe that the rain's going to come to receive it? Do we keep praying until the rain comes, or do we just be like, ah, I give up? Abraham's another example there. Like, Abraham kept going and going and messed up multiple times, yet God was faithful in his promise, and he had faith. All the way to Isaac coming, and Isaac being called to be sacrificed on that mountain, and God still provided a ram. You see, Abraham kept going. His faith was increased. So when we do our prayer life increasing and cover ourselves in prayer, our faith will increase, and we'll show the world that, guess what? I'm not in the driver's seat of my life. And isn't that the most fun? I get God as your co-pilot. That's awesome. I don't think they have those anymore. But I don't know about you, but if God's my co-pilot, I can't put my hands up on the roller coaster and enjoy the ride. You know what I mean? Like if he's driving it, I can put my hands up and know, hey, man, it may loop-de-loop 17 times. And I may lose that, that bell of tacos that came three days ago, whatever that is, wherever you are. But I know he's in control. So as we increase the faith and prayer in our life, what happens to our passion Man, it overflows. And we see our prayer be powerful and effective. So what's the one thing you're holding on to that you won't give to God? Maybe you grabbed a hold of it in 2020 and you held it so dearly. What will you trust him with to have faith with? What's the thing that you are praying right now that you've been praying for? You've been praying for rain for somebody in your life for 20 years. Are you going to let your faith die with that? Or are you just going to keep praying? Because i tell you one thing, regardless of what happens, the, the, the things that I have the privilege to get to pray for and with and the people that I do, I'm going to keep praying. I may not see it come to pass in my life. That's fine. I'm going to keep praying. I, I'm going to tell you what, I'm not going to stand before him on judgment day and he say, Tyler, you quit praying for that. I'm not going to give him that. I'm not. My faith isn't going to be that because he didn't do that for me. So much so he gave his son, left a bloodstained cross for us. He didn't give up on me. He didn't quit on me long before I even quit on him. And so I'm not going to stand up there and say, hey, with faith, I'm going to keep holding on to this. So will we let go and be persistent in our prayer and faith until it rains? Even if it takes six times. We know the seventh time's coming. Will we keep going? Because in trouble, that's what it takes. Because in trouble, everyone else is going to say, where is your God? What is your God doing? And we can say, I know what my God's doing. Hey, this is only the third time I done look for the cloud. Where are you? I got four more. You want to come with me this time? We'll run together. That's what we get to do in trouble. James goes on in verse 19 through 20 to say, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Once we've resisted this hoarding in our life, once we've resisted fatigue to make the wrong decisions in our life in trouble, James is saying we've got to increase our prayer, 
increase our faith, but more importantly, we've got to increase invitation in our life. Got to increase invitation in our life. That's the mission of the church is that prodigals come home. It's not that hard. That's what we get to do because you know what? That was us. And someone for us was welcoming us back home to the Father. That's what we get to do. And I don't know about you, but just because 2020 is over, let's have a song. Let's have a dance. Praise God we got through it. But 2021 is here and we're about to step into a season, I'm telling you, where addiction will be rampant. Addiction will be rampant because the world is searching for a savior. 2020 ripped a lot of idols away. You think Satan gave up? You think he's going to quit? He's not. And so for us, I'm not going to stop pointing to Jesus. I'm not going to stop inviting. I'm not going to stop living out the mission of the church. I'm not going to take 2021 off because 2020 was rough. We get to do that, and I love that we're willing to do that as a church, but I'm telling you, as the church around the world, we've got to increase our invitation. Somebody said no to me five times. Have you got to number seven yet? Is your faith quitting? Five is grace. Praise God. Give grace to them and invite them two more times and see what happens. Let's invite and see what Jesus does, because the thing is, I can't save you. You know what? You can't save me. And here's the other thing. We can't save each other. But we can point to the one who saved both of us and saved us all. And as much as I want salvation for you, I can't make the decision for you. But just like I'm not going to stand in judgment before God and say that my faith gave up, I'm not going to waste this opportunity and disunity and drama just because we had a rough year. This is our opportunity, church. You see, I, I got to, I, man, I, I'm so blessed that God just gets people in my life always at just the right time. And uh, had some clients, we, we were at a house and uh, we were talking this past week. And uh, what was awesome is we were talking about what season we're stepping into. And, and I just, I know in my heart of hearts that addiction is going to be rampant. And as we talked, it was, man, I just don't know about the hope of this generation. I don't know. They're believers. They know they believe in Christ Jesus. They have children. And they're saying, I just don't know. I'm so worried about this generation and the hope of it. And man, I got excited. Obviously, you know, I don't have kids, but I get excited. I'm more hopeful than ever. You know why? As the addict, we're all addicted to something. I don't care what you say. And the addiction that we have is sin. And it's our own self-pleasure. Whatever that is, that's what we're addicted to. I don't care. Food, social media, TV. It can be alcohol. It can be drugs of choice. I mean, it could be serving at the soup kitchen to try to be good enough. Whatever it is, we're addicted to something. But the thing we need to be addicted to is, is Jesus as our, tre- as our treasure and as our Savior. But, but we're not, we, it takes a while to get there. And so what I see is happening in our world more than ever is the world is, is sampling itself to look for a savior it's searching remember when we were like the prodigal searching and it led us to the pig pods and the world's going to get there in its own time the world will whether on this life or in eternity when every knee shall bow but you see when we, when you're over there and you didn't confess him as lord in eternity and you missed out on doing it on this side of eternity it's too late then but you see the world is sampling and just taking everything it thinks will be a savior of its life and seeing it crash away. And we and Christ get to say, let me tell you about what Jesus has done for me. Messed up, broken, 
wreck of a person who may have had the scripture memorized, may have grown up in church, may have had tragedy in life early, but realized no matter what, I still need a savior. Maybe the best Bible drill, maybe the best sword drill, maybe the best, best Sparky in Awana. If you know, you know, maybe the best at VBS, maybe able to make it happen. I still needed Christ to save me. I couldn't do it. And the world is looking because 2020 eliminated a lot of those idols. That job, that work, that guaranteed income, that house, that, that relationship that got broken that you thought your spouse was your savior and they weren't. Like, it's too much. And the world is now looking and is searching and we get to have the light go through us and increase our invitation. And that is what we get to do. And so the question is, will we let drama and disunity stop us from living that life of invitation? Are we gonna, going to? So we got division. Great. That's what Satan does. He divides. That's great. Awesome. Satan, go do your thing. I already know your fate. I don't care. Go do your thing. I'm just going to be the light, the best that I can possibly be. And so for us, as the world samples what it thinks needs to be a savior, will we give them a drop of the living water that lives in us and show them, hey, the thing that I have is a thing that's going to last for eternity. The thing that's going to set you free to be what you are searching for. Not just happiness, but joy. Joy. Not anger at yourself. Not anger at happiness. Anger at your neighbor because they got what you don't. They've killed the weeds in their yard. Eh. Like, not mad at them for that. But joy. Like, Thank you, Jesus, for letting me kill this weed 17 times because it gives me pleasure. Like, I'm on six, Lord. I'm waiting on seven. This roundup ain't working. Like, just dumping the bottle on it. You know, like, just trying. Like, are we going to live our life with invitation? What I mean by that is, I've shared this before. Maybe those in your life know you're a good person. Good person ain't going to get them to heaven. They don't know why you do what you do. Do they know about Jesus in your life? And if they don't, we're wasting the opportunity. It doesn't mean that we need to be on a street corner telling people like me that I'm going to hell because I'm going to a wrestling match because I've never had one of those people engage with me. Like, I go there and I'm like, hey, I'm a pastor, let's talk, and they just get louder on their megaphone. I'm like, that doesn't save anybody. Or do we say, hey, I'm messed up, screwed up, love, I I'm a wreck, love going to see these people yell at each other over people who are, are, are wrestling or whatever it is they're doing because it's just so fun. I enjoy the crowd more than the matches. It's just great. I love it. Wherever you are, like whatever you're doing and say, hey, I'm a wreck without Jesus. But with Christ, I get to be who he created me to be. I get to walk in freedom. I get to know that nothing in this world is going to stop me. And anything that takes me out in this world is because he's ready for me to come home because my work here is done, not because I did it to myself. That's what we get to share. Because three areas in life that make us wander from Christ are pain, trouble, and pride. 2020 had a lot of all three, didn't it? A lot of pain. A lot of pain. Many of us lost, had unimaginable loss, walked through pain that we never thought we would walk through, made decisions that we never thought we would have to make, maybe, maybe lost things that we never thought we would lose. Maybe it was a loved one, a job, a child, a, 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 a pet, a, a whatever. We, we lost something. We walked through pain. 
And in the midst of that pain, many times, we'll get angry at God. Or maybe we just got problems. Problems. Who ain't got problems? Problems. Trouble. And when we do that, we want to distance ourselves from God, don't we? That is when our hoarding and fatigue comes even more, isn't it? Like, when I've got a, say you've got a financial difficulty, do we pray about it or do we figure out how to make it happen? As Americans, we usually try to figure out how to make it happen. We are, I, if you know me, I'm a pull yourself up by the bootstraps person. I try to figure out how to make it happen. And that is just wrong because it's pride. So as we step out of this season that's been full of pain, trouble, and pride, are we crazy enough to believe that that's still not going to be here as we go through 2021? Because it is. But the thing that I want to tell you and the thing that is the most hopeful, as I shared about this generation that's upcoming, our children and the children's children is this. In the midst of our pain, our trouble, and our pride, or our problems and our pride, God has not left us alone in the fire. As a matter of fact, he still loves us through it. And if you want evidence of it, look at the empty tomb and the blood-stained cross. And the son that he sent for us. And that while we were yet sinners, he still died for us. He had faith in us to make a decision to trust him long before we ever did. Who else can we say has done that in our life? You see, maybe you're stuck in the midst of your pain right now. We'd love to pray with you. We've got people here who know what that feels like. Maybe you're in the midst of a, a struggle, a problem, an addiction. Maybe you're just, you're just, you feel like you ain't nothing but trouble. And maybe that is your name. I don't know. That's cool. Just send trouble at prayer at TV, whatever it is. We'd love to pray with you. And maybe you're realizing that your pride and that you can solve it all has come crashing down in 2020. And in 2021, you're trying to figure out how you can solve it all again. And I just want to tell you, you can't. Because this roller coaster of life, none of us have control over Carrie Underwood's not going to sing behind us, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm just saying, it ain't going to happen. But if we'll let him drive our life, we can enjoy it. But if we try to keep trying to fight for the control of it, man, oh man, it's tired, it's frustrating, it'll make us angry, and believe it or not, it's fleeting. And so wherever you are, I want you to know that God hasn't forgot you, he's with you, but most importantly, God still loves you. So much so, John three sixteen and 17 reminds us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words, God's not standing there angry at you because of what you did yesterday or what you're going to do tomorrow. Instead, he's standing there with open arms, saying, Will you trust me? Will you trust me? I don't care that you are at, at, you've wasted your wealth. I don't care that you've not increased your faith, you've not prayed, that you've hoarded, that you've lived your life making terrible decisions, that you've gone around walking around living in the ways of this world and you've not been into living a life of invitation, but instead you've been trying to satisfy yourself in the world. He's not standing there condemning you for it. He's saying, will you receive my son for it? Will you believe that he has done for you what you couldn't do for yourself? And today, wherever you are, that, that, that's our prayer. That's what we want for you. 
Because no matter what's going to happen when we walk out this door in the parking lot, no matter what's going to happen if we get the opportunity by God's grace and to, to experience the week, whatever that looks like, we want you to know that Jesus is who he says he is. And so the question is, do you believe that? Maybe right now you, you do believe that and you're in the midst of pain or trouble or pride and you need somebody to pray with. You believe that Jesus is who he says he is, but you're, you're struggling seeing how he's moving in this moment. Please let us know. We would love to pray with you. But maybe right now, would you realize that 2020 and even 2021, God is orchestrating things in your life to see that he is who he says he is. And would you let him have control of your life? Would you just let him have good? Would you just let him do it? it, it it's not a 15-step program. It's not a you've got to earn your way to it and get up the rungs of the ladder. It's just receiving by faith that Jesus is who he says he is. Because see, all of us are sinners in need of a savior. All of us have sampled the world for a savior and came up short every time. Until we discovered the one who could save us. And that is Jesus Christ who lived the perfect life we couldn't live, the perfect sinless life we couldn't live. He died the death, paying the penalty for our sin on the cross, receiving the wrath and fury of God for our sin. But he didn't stop there. He loved us enough. He didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day. And the spirit that raised him from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of us to be exactly who we were created to be in him. All we have to do is receive it. So would you bow your head with me, please? We pray out loud as a family for the benefit of those who come to faith today. And I wanna tell you, the words of this prayer is not gonna be what saves you. It's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. That in the midst of my pride, my problems, my troubles, and my pain, that Jesus is still with me in the fire and he loves me enough to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. So please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner, separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life. I couldn't live, died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sin on the cross. But love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, whether you're listening or watching throughout the week or you're in the house today, I'm gonna boldly ask you on the count of three to raise your hand if for the first time you've received this free gift of salvation. One, two, three. Would you raise your hand? If you're watching online, you're gonna see a hand that's raised wherever you are. If you're listening throughout the week, reach out to us at prayer at divine.tv or A64-580-6698. And for the rest of us, before you look up, I just wanna take a moment before we sing this song and, and, and sing about Jesus being in the fire with us. Right now, many of us are going through pain, trouble, problems, or maybe we're stuck in our pride. And, 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 and if you would like someone to pray for you, would you just lift your, lift your hand? If, I'm gonna pray for you right now. If that's you and you're, you're walking through that, don't worry about what people are doing around you. I'm about to pray here in a second. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? If you're throughout the week, would you just reach out to us at, the, at prayer at the Vine. We want to pray with you. If you've got your hand up, you can put that down. I'm going to pray before we sing this song. 
And just as a reminder, and we step in this moment, I just want us to know that wherever we are in the midst of our pain, our problems, and our pride, that Jesus is with us. So dear Jesus, thank you that we're never alone in the fire. When the trouble and fires of this world seem like it's going to consume us, that we are not gonna be consumed because you have already overcome it. Jesus, right now, many of us are in the midst of pain, immense pain. Maybe it's health, maybe it's family loss, maybe it's job loss, maybe it's relationship loss, whatever it is, Jesus, many of us are in pain. And I pray that we would be reminded that in the midst of that pain that you know what it feels like. And the cross is a reminder that you do. Maybe maybe we're in the midst of struggle, struggles, problems and trouble, Lord. Maybe we're just facing extreme rejection, Lord. I pray that we would be reminded that you know exactly how that feels to be rejected. And maybe just maybe we're realizing that we're trying to solve it all for ourselves, and we're trying to control our life. Even though we trust you with our life, we're trying to control the next steps of our life. And I pray in this moment that we would be reminded that you are the creator of heavens and earth and that you are not leaving us alone and that you will light our next step, light the path for our next step, Lord, and that we would just have the boldness and the faith to take that one step at a time with you. Not worry about 12 steps ahead, not worry about 15 steps ahead, just worry about trusting you with the next one. And so Jesus, as we get to step into your presence and sing, I pray that we would be reminded that we are not alone in the fire. We love you, Jesus. Now stand and sing with us.
Absolutely. How great is it that we don't have to walk through the fire alone, that we don't have to do that. And so wherever you are right now, I want you to know that God loves you. You're not going through it alone. And anytime you feel like you are, just go to your knees and ask him to reveal yourself. Not angels in the outfield, <laughs> just movie, but like really, really, really ask him to and watch him do it. So as we step into 2021 and the troubles that it can bring, especially as we're getting ready for Father's Day, let's be real. Some of us can struggle with that as we step into that. I just pray that we would live a life of invitation. What if next week we decided, hey, I don't care how much I don't get along with this person. I don't care about how much they, uh, their, their yard looks better than mine with the weeds. I'm just saying, I don't know why. Could you not spray it a little farther over my way so I can help get some help? But wherever you are, like whatever it is, I pray that we would just increase invitation. We're going to celebrate our fathers well. Most importantly, I know Alex has prepared an awesome message. We're going to celebrate our Heavenly Father. Because I can tell you, growing up without my father, my view of God was that God was there. It was real. He was existent because I existed, but that he was distant. You see, as I've got to grow in my faith, I've realized that God, God didn't leave me alone in the fire. He wasn't distant. He wasn't standing outside the fire waiting for me saying, hey, come on through. You're going to be all right. No, 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 no. He met me in the middle of it, and he keeps walking me through it step by step. And as this world tries to consume me and burn me and try to take me down instead in him, he's saying, don't worry about that. I've already, I've already overcome it. So much so, man, you ain't even going to be sunburned. You're going to be fine. Just go. You're going to be covered because I am covering you. 
So wherever you are, make plans to be here next week as we celebrate Father's and we have Father's Day. Alex Hamby's going to be bringing the preach. It's going to be awesome. Let's invite. Let's have fun. We're going to have breakfast. May even be some Slim Jim beef jerky. I'm just saying. It's going to be great. We love you guys. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next week.